We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Rev. Carl Gallups of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates, and with me in the studio, as he is every week, is the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, Reverend Carl Gallops. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. My question for you today is uh, pertains to the Middle East. So much of biblical history does center around the Holy Land for obvious reasons. But I want to talk today about the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem is of central importance to Jews throughout history and to Israelis today. And at one time, Jerusalem was the capital, of course, of the Jewish people. And that is where they built the temple at the Temple Mount. So can you tell us today, what is it that is so important about the city of Jerusalem? Thank you for asking that question. What an awesome question. What is it that's so important about the city of Jerusalem? And I want to urge the listeners to stay tuned to this program today because you're going to hear some things that you probably have never heard before. They're going to come right out of the Bible, right out of Jerusalem, right out of history. And I think what you're going to hear this morning is going to amaze you. You ask the question, what's so important about Jerusalem? Well, only God knows ultimately the, the importance of Jerusalem. But there are several significant things about Jerusalem, Mike. If you were to take uh, the globe and, and, and turn it into a flat map and put your finger somewhere near the center of where that map falls, of all the landmass, your finger falls approximately in Israel. <laughs> I mean, approximately right in that area in the Middle East, but, but I mean, your finger is very near to Israel. It, it literally becomes, when you put the globe onto a flat map, it literally becomes the center of the world. When you look at Israel, particularly the boundaries given by God to his people in the Old Testament days, when you look at Israel and put your finger in the middle of it, it falls right about in Jerusalem. Jerusalem somehow, and for some reason, really is the apple of God's eye and the center of God's heart, and literally... Uh, almost the center of the world. However, the scriptures give us some hints as to why this uh, city is so very important. And what I'm going to show this morning, what I'm going to teach this morning on this program is going to lend, I believe, some real insight into some things that happened in the New Testament, some things that Jesus said, some things that other people said about Jesus that previously the listeners probably have never even known or given, given consideration to. Throughout the Old Testament, Mike, God tells his people, whether it's uh, uh, King David or the Jews coming out of Israel, I mean, coming out of Egypt, uh, leading them into the promised land, in various ways, in various places in the scriptures, and at various times, he says something like, and I'm going to paraphrase right now, although there are specific scriptures, I'll give a reference, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6, I believe, um, verse 1 and following, and I'm not going to read a bunch of scriptures on this fast-moving program, but, but, but you can do a concordant search, and, and a student of the Bible will discover that through Throughout the scriptures, um, God's people are told things like, uh, David particularly, where God says, I will take you to a place, meaning Jerusalem, where I have put my name. Or other pl places say, where I will put my name. So, so I will take you to a place where I have put my name, or I will take you to a place where I will put my name. I will take you to a place where, where, where my name will be glorified. So, so, and that place we discover as we continue to read the scriptures is what became known as Jerusalem. 
the holy city, the city of God, the place where the temple was ultimately built, the place where Jesus was ultimately crucified, uh, uh, the place that is still the holiest city on the face of the earth today by Jews and Christians, and even Muslims consider uh, Jerusalem to be a holy city. Now, it is not their holiest city. I think it's their third holiest site. But when you consider that the three major religions of the world all consider it to be the uh, a, a holy city, and two of them consider it to be the holiest city, then it is the the holiest city on the face of the earth. And it has been for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And God declared it several thousand years ago. He said, I'm going to take you to a place where I have put my name or will put my name. Now, at the surface understanding of that, Mike, we students of the Word say, well, obviously, yeah, that's where He told Him to build the temple. Uh, so uh, that's where His name would be glorified. Uh, of course, when God put on flesh and came to the earth, He came in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, where was much of His ministry centered around? Uh, the city of Jerusalem and the temple area. Uh, Jesus was crucified there. So, so yeah, um, uh, that God obviously, quote, put his name there. But Mike, what I want to show you is it goes much deeper and much more literal than even those precious things. The temple and Jesus and the crucifixion are all precious to Christians. But even more literal than that, God put his name there. And I want to share two or three astounding, astounding uh, uh, geographical, historical undeniable facts this morning, and then I want to relate those uh, to, to my opinion of why God said, I'll take you to a place where I have put my name. I want to begin, Mike, with discussing the valleys of Jerusalem. There are three major valleys that encompass and surround the city of Jerusalem. By the way, Mike, I've had the great privilege of going to Israel, and I've literally been in and around Jerusalem, spent I don't, a couple of weeks there. I took a lot of pictures, I talked to a lot of people, spent a lot of time with our tour guide, who he and I are very good friends now, and he's been to the United States a couple of times. He's been in my home a couple of times. We still correspond and email each other. So I verify a lot of my facts about history and the Hebrew language and the meaning of things from the Hebrew standpoint. I verify them through this man who is a born and raised Hebrew and uh, very, very intelligent about Hebrew history and culture because he is a national tour guide as well and spent time in the Israeli army. So a lot of these things I'm telling you, I, I will give some anecdotal stories using this man that will help to verify the things I'm telling you. But the three valleys, uh, if any if people that are listening, you might want to get, get, get a Bible and turn to the back to the map section and find the one where it's the big blow up map of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and you will see the three valleys. They are the Kidron Valley. They are the Tyropian Valley, which runs right through the middle of it. If you're looking at the map of Jerusalem, the Kidron Valley runs to the right of the city, and it borders the Temple Mount, uh, comes to a point of a V down at the bottom. The Tyropian Valley runs right through the middle of the city of Jerusalem, and it comes to the same point at the V-looking thing. And then come up from that point and go up to the left of the wall of the city of Jerusalem, and it is the Hinnom Valley. Um, these valleys are all the, the three valleys that surround the, and encompass the city of Jerusalem. Now what's important about this? There is a letter in the Hebrew alphabet called the Shin. It makes what roughly equivalent to our, Hebrew, to our English letter, the W. It looks similar, but it really is written in Hebrew more like a V, a great big V with a, with a line coming from the point of the bottom straight up the middle. So it's like a V with a line through the middle. It looks more like that in the Hebrew. Uh, letters and uh, uh, 
are very important to the Hebrews. Uh, the Hebrews have a system called the gematra, where they assign a numerical value to each letter. Um, uh, the, the acronyms are important to the Hebrews. We'll talk more about that later. But um, uh, if, if a student of the Word wants to see the shin, the letter shin, you can go to Psalm 119 in your English translations, and you'll see that that whole psalm is an acrostic. It's a Hebrew acrostic, where each paragraph or each section starts with the first Hebrew letter, then the second Hebrew letter, and the third Hebrew letter. And the English versions will actually have the little drawings of the Hebrew letters there. So you can go to the Shin, which is one of the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Now what's important about the Shin, it's kind of like a V with a line right through the middle, is that that letter is the letter chosen thousands of years ago by the Hebrews, and there's several technical reasons why. I'm not going to get into them on this show today. But they chose that one letter when they wanted to represent the holy name of God, they chose the letter Shin. Now, to further verify that, Mike, on every Hebrew mezuzah today, now a mezuzah, as many of our listeners probably know, is a little prayer box that's about three or four or five inches long, about an inch wide, and it's posted on the door frames and door posts of uh, the entranceways to people's homes and businesses. Orthodox Jews will have a mezuzah. I have one in my home. I'm not an Orthodox Jew, but I have it because I like to show people this, and it's a part of the Judeo-Christian heritage, these little mezuzahs. Inside the mezuzah is a scroll of, of, of Deuteronomy, of, of the passage in Deuteronomy 6.1 that says, Hear ye, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is but one. Okay? It's called the Shema. The Shema means the, the, uh, to hear, to hear, the declaration, hear, O Israel. So on the mezuzah, on every mezuzah, is a, an inscription of the Shin, Every single mezuzah has that. Why? Because it is the name of God. It represents the name of God, this Hebrew letter, the Shin. Well, Mike, if you'll look in your Bible at the blow-up city of Jerusalem, and you'll look at those three huge valleys that encompass the city of Jerusalem, it forms perfectly. I mean, in the way that a Hebrew scribe would literally write the Shin, the letter Shin, it forms perfectly the letter Shin which is the name of God. Literally, God drew his name with his finger at the creation of the world, obviously, and, and, and with the letter Shin, and then he told his people who didn't know anything about Canaan or Jerusalem, and, and he said, I'm going to take you to a place, now watch, Mike, where I have put my name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then he later said, you know, where I will put my name, meaning there were more things he was going to do, and we'll get into that in a moment. But in those two ways, God speaks of Jerusalem throughout the Old Testament. I'm going to take you to a place where I have put my name, or I'm going to take you to a place where I will put my name, or I'm going to take you to a place where I will show you my glory and show you my name. And so, but I'm telling you, Mike, he literally carved his name with the valleys. Now, to show our listeners that I'm not just spouting off here, and I'm not just some lunatic. When I was in Israel, our tour guide took our tour group up to the mountainside right outside the city of Jerusalem, uh, the Mount of Ascension, actually, where Jesus ascended uh, in, into heaven in front of his uh, disciples. And from that mountainside, you can look down over the city, and particularly the Temple Mount, and today the Dome of the Rock, the Muslim Dome of the Rock sits there. And it's a beautiful sight to see the old walls of the city, and then off in the distance you see the new city with its skyscrapers. And inside the old city you see the old buildings and the like it was basically in the Roman times, Jesus' time. And, and you see this, this, the city walls that were standing uh, uh, probably in Jesus' time. Most of them are still standing there today. It's an awesome sight, and you can see the Temple Mount. Well, while we were standing there, and the tour guide was showing this before he took us down into, to, to Jerusalem, 
when he finished, I said, Dan, may I show you something with the map? Now, this is in front of 40 tourists, you know, and he said, well, sure. And I took the map and I said, now, Dan, I'm going to trace something out with my fingers and I want you to tell me what you see. And Mike, I took my finger and I started tracing out these three valleys with my finger, clearly shown on his map. The Kidron Valley, then I went up the Tyropian Valley, I came back down the Tyropian Valley, and I went back up the Hinnom Valley and traced out this V with a line through the middle of it. And I said, what do you see? And Mike, I kid you not, these are his exact words. This was his reaction. He paused, he looked, and right in front of the whole tour group, he said, oh my God, it is a Shin. Mm -hmm. He said, it is the name of God. He said, our city sits on the name of God. He had never seen that before, Mike. And I mean, wow. chill bumps went up. My arms went up. Everybody else. He says, I, Carl, I, I, I'm glad you showed me this. He said, I will always use this. I will always show people this. I said, yes, Danny. I said, all along, thousands of years, God's name has been written over the city of Jerusalem. Now, see, when God took David there and said, come, I will take you to a place where I will put my name and where I have put my name. You know, David could not have seen that. Uh, standing where we were on this highest peak overlooking Jerusalem, with me, you couldn't see that. You cannot see the shin with the naked eye from an earthly standpoint. The only way you could see it, and of course we have the technology now, and that's why our maps are so accurate, is from, you know, satellites or airplanes or getting up above and looking down on it at a flat level. You can see the perfectly formed name of God. <laughs> written over the city of Jerusalem, mm -hmm. Mike. It is, it is astounding. Now, to further emphasize this, let me talk about the mountain that the city of Jerusalem sits on. The, now, students of the Word will know that it sits on Mount Zion. Okay, Zion uh, is very significant to Christians and to Jews because it represents the city of God in a spiritual way in the New Testament. It represents heaven, the ultimate city of God. That's why we sing songs about marching to Zion, upward to Zion, onward to Zion, and I'll cross over the beautiful river. I'm heading to Zion. Well, we don't literally, when we sing those hymns and songs, we don't literally mean the literal city of Jerusalem as it sits in Israel today. We're talking about Heaven, the kingdom of God, the dwelling place of God. Why? Because it's a spiritualization of the understanding, understanding of that mount of God wherein the holy city Jerusalem sits on, Zion. Now, what's interesting about that mountain that it sits on, Mike, is that it is one mountain, but it has three heads. Up at the top of the city of Jerusalem is the highest head of that mountain. And it literally, it has a name. This is found in the Old Testament. All these names are found in the Old Testament. And it is called Ophel. In the English, it would be spelled O-P-H-E-L, Ophel. You come down a little bit lower, and the second head of that mountain that the city of Jerusalem sits on is called Moriah. Students of the Word will recognize that as coming from Genesis 22, where Abraham took his son Isaac to the region and to the Mount of Moriah to sacrifice him there. You come on down to the bottom level, the third head, and it is called Zion. Now, now the whole mountain is called Zion, but then that head where the original city of David sits on was also called Zion. And then later the other heads were named by the Hebrew people, Ophel, Moriah, and Zion. So now... Listen to this, Mike, and Christians hearing this, I think you're going to see where I'm going to go with this. One mountain, yet with three heads. But one mountain. Mm -hmm. One rock, yet with three. Almost like a Trinitarian It's almost analogy. like a Trinitarian statement, but yeah. listen to the definitions of the names. And to a Christian, you're talking about putting chill bumps on your arm. Yes, it's one rock with three heads. One mountain with three heads. Yet listen to the names. Ophel the highest head. It means literally my fortress 
or the fortress. Well, what's one of the names for Father God throughout the Old Testament? My rock, my fortress, my high tower, my high mountain, um, uh, uh, the, the fortress. Uh, God is my fortress. He is my God in whom I delight and whom I take refuge. My fortress is, is a term used for God the Father throughout the Old Testament. Now come on down a little bit lower to the mountain head called Moriah. What does Moriah mean? It is a Hebrew word. It means to see God. To see God. Well, what significant things happened on Moriah? Well, first of all, it was on Moriah where Genesis 22, where Abraham took his son Isaac to be sacrificed. And there the angel held his hand back and said, don't sacrifice him. Said, on this mount, God will provide. Um, uh, that Abraham said, he declared that. He said, this is the mount where God will provide. Isaac asked his father going up the mountain, father, where's the lamb? Abraham declared God himself will provide the lamb. Well, a lamb was provided that day. But Mike, that's also where Solomon was directed to build the temple on Moriah, and it's just within a stone's throw of that temple. That's the place where Jesus went and declared himself to the Jews, to the Pharisees, that he was God with us, God in the flesh, where he declared, I and the Father are one in John chapter 10. He was on the temple, on the temple mount, and the Pharisees picked up stones to stone him, and they said, he said, why are you going to stone me? For what miracle? And, and the Pharisees said, we're not stoning you for any miracle, but we're stoning you because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Mm -hmm. Where did he claim to be God? In the temple, on Moriah. A stone's throw from there, literally a stone's throw, just a few hundred yards from there, he was crucified. So what did the world see in Jesus? We saw God. We, we Moriah. We, we, it was to see God. So Ophel, my fortress, Moriah, to see God. How do we see God? In the person of Jesus Christ. And then the bottom mountain is Zion. It literally means in Hebrew, the mark. The mark. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 around verse 13 says that you, having heard the gospel and believed, you received the mark, the promised Holy Spirit, the seal of God. Mike, one mountain, three heads, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in, indicated by the names Ophel, Moriah, and Zion. Three valleys that spell out the name of God. And God told the people of Israel, Long before, he said, come on, I'm going to take you to a place where I have put my name. Now, of course, by the temple being there, and of course, by Jesus being there, he put his name. But literally, he carved his name in the valleys. He formed his name with the mountains, and he put it on the hearts of the Hebrew people to give them these names, which would testify to the gospel and to the Trinity, things that were unknown to the Hebrews until the coming of Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, that's past tense. I have put my name. But you earlier said that he also said that is where he will, future tense, put his name. Did that happen sometime in the life of Jesus? Yes. In, in a remarkable, astounding way. Wow. At what, the resurrection, the crucifixion, the ba baptism? It, it happened at the crucifixion. And on the other side of the break, when we come back, I want to spend a few moments talking about what happened at that crucifixion. The Bible records it. There's something there. There's a little hint where God put his name on that day in an astounding way. The Pharisees understood it. The Jews understood it. But many students of the Bible read right over it and don't see it. Okay, so God put his name on the city of Jerusalem again at Jesus' crucifixion. We'll find out exactly what that means when Ask the Preacher continues.
Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates. With me in the studios, Reverend Carl Gallops. Carl, how did God put his name on Jerusalem at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Well, Mike, it actually begins with Jesus entering into the city in the triumphal entry. And many students of the word will remember when he came, came into the city, the people threw their cloaks down, they threw palm branches down, they, they cried out, Hosanna to God in the highest, hail to the king, to the son of David, etc., etc. The Pharisees went berserk. They knew all of those were messianic terms, meaning that they were hailing him as God in the flesh, God with us, the Messiah. They told, they went up to Jesus and they said, tell your disciples to be quiet. You remember what Jesus said? He said, if they are quiet, even the rocks will cry out. Mm -hmm. Now that gives new meaning. What I've said in the first part of the show gives new meaning and understanding to what Jesus said. Yes, the rocks do cry out the name of God. The valleys declare it. The mountains declare it. The heads of the mountains declare it. The gospel is proclaimed in the very rocks themselves. So Jesus meant that literally when he said that. But something more astounding happened, Mike. Recorded in John chapter 19, it says that at the crucifixion, in fact it's verse 19, it said over the head of Jesus was a placard that Pilate had put there. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and uh, uh, Latin. And it said, in English, it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Now when the Pharisees saw that, they said, they, they, they went berserk. They said, tear that down, take it down, or change it. Say, he claimed to be the king. Do anything, change it, take it down, but don't leave that up there. Now, Mike, that always astounded me because it was that very claim that the Pharisees used to get Jesus on the cross. That mm -hmm. was the only way they could get him crucified was by convincing Pilate that Jesus was claiming to be the king of the Jews. And that was their claim to fame among the common people who didn't want Jesus crucified was, look, this guy's causing an insurrection. He's claiming to be the king of the Jews. He declares himself king of the Jews. That's why we need to kill him. So when they put him on the cross and Pilate acknowledged it, in three languages so that all that were there could read it, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, then the Pharisees got mad about it. Now, I often wondered, well, why the change of mind? Why? But here's what we miss. As I said in the beginning of the shows, the, the Jews are really into the gematra, the assigning of numerical value to Hebrew names, uh, to Hebrew letters, as well as acronyms from the Hebrew language. All of Psalm 119, again, is an acronym. Any student of the Bible can go there. The Hebrew letters are there. Here's what they saw. The Catholic Church to this day shows a, shows a crucifix, a cross with Jesus on it, and above his head it has a placard with I-N-R-I, mm -hmm. the Enri. Well, what does that stand for? It stands for the acronym for the Latin Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's an acronym. Well, the Hebrews, what they saw that day when they looked at Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, they saw it written in Latin, they saw it written in Greek, but what drew their eye, I'm convinced, Mike, I'm convinced what drew their eye was the Hebrew for Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And in Hebrew, it's Yeshua, Hanatsri, Vimelech, Hayahudim. That The acronym for that Hebrew phrase, Mike, is yud He wah He. That's the pronunciation of the Hebrew letters that make up the acronym of the Hebrew phrase, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, yud he wah he And students of the word know that that is the holy name of God, which we pronounce in English, Yahweh. yud he wah he It's the holy name of God revered by the Jews for thousands and thousands of years. The unspeakable name of God. It has no vowel sounds in it so that it could not be properly spoken. It was the written holy name of God. And unbeknownst to Pilate, just the very way that he worded that in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, 
the Hebrew eye saw the acronym for the holy name of God. Over the head of Jesus was the name of God. God declaring, this is my son, this is God in the flesh, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10, you will look upon uh, me whom you have pierced, and you will mourn for him as an only son. That prophecy given some six or seven, four or five hundred years before the Christ event. So his name was carved in the valleys, Mike. His name was formed with the mountains of Jerusalem, and the ultimate placing of God's name was when Jesus was crucified, and above his head was the acronym of the Hebrew phrase, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, Yud the holy name of God. Mike, Jerusalem is very important, has always been important. Out of Jerusalem, the first church, Christian church was born. Out of Jerusalem, the Savior came. Out of Jerusalem, the Savior was crucified. Out of Jerusalem, the Savior was resurrected. Out of Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit of God was given to the church. Out of Jerusalem came the Word of God. Out of Jerusalem came the prophets of God. Wow. I've always known that Jerusalem was important, but I just figured it was because yeah. that's where everything yeah. seemed to have happened. Do you but see that what, brings yeah. new meaning to you it? You see why wow. there's such a satanic battle over the city even today, a spiritual battle. Yeah, I see why it's going on. Yeah. It's incredible. There is more information about this subject at the website www.hickoryhammockbaptist.org. It is an outstanding website. This subject and others, you can get more information on that. Reverend Carl Gallops, would you please close us in prayer? I will. And Lord God, now we also understand the commandment to revere your name and to never take it in vain. Your name is holy, it is awesome, it is unthinkable, it is, it is unspeakable except for through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for his blood that was shed on Calvary's cross and his resurrection that proclaims that he is God with us. And it is in the name of Jesus that we thank you and that we make this prayer. Amen. Amen.